ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is Season 3, Episode 43 of the podcast. ASI247.org, Interview with a Pirate Monk. Was a mighty good man, strongest in his day. Then along came Delilah and clipped his wings. And it looks like you took me the same old way, so I'm nervous. Today on the podcast, my guest is Nate Larkin, author, speaker, and host of his own podcast called Pirate Monk Radio. Right, Nate? Yeah, yeah, the Pirate Monk Podcast. You betcha. That's right. And you wrote the book, uh, Samson the Pirate Monks, a uh, great book calling men to authentic brotherhood. I kicked off the show with this bumper music by Jack White. You know, you make me nervous, right? And and really getting into the last few years, Nate, is, is really cool about the science that's coming out about sexual addiction, pornography addiction, especially as it relates to high-speed Internet and all mm-hmm. of these, you know, these images that we can flood our mind with. And, and really some of this intimacy disorder that's really creeping in, especially a young, among young men. Um, right. Older men have it too, but younger men are having a harder time kicking it than, than some of us older guys based on the science. But I pray yeah. that folks listening uh, to this are either in, in, in a camp where they're like, maybe, you know, maybe I have a problem or, you know, uh, I, I know that this is, this is diminishing my life to a certain degree. And, and yeah. I pray that some of those folks are going to either realize that you're going to run towards um, recovery or you're going to continue to sink into it like quicksand. There's, there's some yeah. truth to that, right, Nate? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and you, you really hit on a, on a, a salient point there, Russ. The way uh, pornography is involved, has evolved now, the delivery of full motion video and endless supply and endless variety of virtual sex partners, um, that supply, now the, the game has so much changed since, uh, you know, I was first getting started as a sex addict back in the 70s, back when I was just looking at glossy magazines at Playboy and Penthouse and softcore stuff. Uh, these images now just overwhelm the higher portions of the brain where critical thinking takes place and moral judgments are made, stimulates those same deeper pleasure centers that cocaine does, uh, and uh, and are very, very highly addictive. That's right, with long, man. That's... Yeah, with long, long, long-ranging uh, negative results. Yeah. 
Yeah, that kind of, you know, nervous. Some of the some of the sites they're finding with, you know, people that were treated for ADD or OCD or, you know, uh, social anxiety are realizing that a lot of them, a lot of that stuff is tied to porn addiction. Like getting yeah. underneath one level of it is like, wow, you know, once the porn addiction went away, um, you know, we started treating that or going 90 yeah. days without it. It's, it's yeah. funny how some of these other disorders that rise to the surface are, are being diminished man you and i I, you and i have been talking for a while right i mean we've Mm kind of emailed back and forth i've wanted to do this this interview for a while i was on your podcast um you and i have very different stories Mm. (laughs) what's that (laughs) i say you were you were a favorite guest on the pirate monk podcast you tore it up (laughs) was i i was i was on a lot of caffeine at the time Hopefully yeah. I didn't make too much of an ass of myself. But. No, 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 you're great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I, uh, I, Yeah, man, you and I, I read some of your story, and, and, and I guess, you know, you and I are from very different worlds. Uh, you grew up in church, and right. I kind of, you know, I went to church periodically. I, I did have some semblance of Christianity growing up, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, like like your life, mm-hmm. um, yeah. You grew you grew up as as expected to be the good boy. I grew up yeah. in my my early days, my early teens, expected to be the bad boy. Like I was the most likely not to succeed. You know, I'm voted the <laughs> most likely to to do it. You know, to do yeah. time. <laughs> That's kind of my story. Right, but yeah. as I read your book and as I got into your story, you and I, you know, in our uh, when the wheels came off, so to speak, as you put it. You and I were both in this place of like, how did I get here? Just sitting in the car, slamming on the steering wheel, going, "What is wrong with me, Lord Jesus? Take this away, God! If you even yeah. exist, do you even exist? Because it's, I'm owned by this. I'm sick and tired of being owned by this." And and you and I were in that same place, even though we're from different worlds, man. This thing yeah. will get people like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it took me to a place of just complete despair. And finally, uh, you know, I just accepted the fact that this was a battle I was never going to be able to win. I made vocational adjustments. I dropped out of the ministry because I knew that eventually I knew I, I was either going to have to quit the behavior or quit the ministry. And at that point, there was only one I could quit. Right. Uh, and it just kind of settled into this twilight where I was still active in church. And, uh, you know, I had this, I didn't recognize it at the time, but I had a religious persona going on. I was, uh, you know, I now call that character that I created, the thing that I really thought um, God loved. I call it Saint Nate. That was the part of me that was, that was the part of me that was really good at church, could perform well at church. And I could get St. Nate to breathe on his own at church. Uh, he just couldn't breathe on his own for very long outside the building. And right. I just accepted, I, I just kind of, uh, kind of settled into this, uh, this creeping isolation. I knew I could never let anybody see, uh, the darker side of me, uh, that I didn't even have a name for. Uh, I think I bought into Jekyll and Hyde thinking that I right. knew there was a good part of me that was Jekyll. There was a part of me that was evil and had to die. It was Hyde, and I had to keep Hyde hidden. And uh, oh man, it was just it was a it was an awful place to 
to be, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's, you know, it's funny. I was talking with another, uh, recovering sex addict today over coffee and he's a guy who's also engaged and helped him pull other people out of the soup. Now we enjoy what we're able to do. And we agreed, you know, on the one hand, we're grateful for the experience, grateful to be recovering addicts. I really learned the gospel through that experience. And God has redeemed it. But at the same time, I can't help but feel regret over the hundreds of thousands of dollars and the hundreds of thousands of hours, uh, really the the decades of my life that I gave up. yeah, the really kind of not. train wreck. I, I oh, feel yeah, you, man. Yeah. 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 Looking back. I'm grateful, and... grateful to have found the way out. And grateful yeah, me now too. to be able to, to, to help other people find freedom. That's something that I, I've learned is that, you know, talking with so many addicts, and not just sex addicts, but some drug addicts and, and folks who yeah. struggle with uh, with stuff, you know, who, who that own them, and they finally come to the yeah. realization that, all right, this thing owns me. I don't own it. You know, right, yeah. I mean, how many how many listeners right now? If you're honest, uh, does your porn collection uh, do you own that, or does it own you? <laughs> right. It's the yeah. reason why you've thrown it away four times and went back in the garbage and dug it out. Yeah, right, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. How but, many times did I do that? Right, and and that's the thing is this stuck stubborn kind of paradigm where mm-hmm. I've really learned to to translate that when a guy's feeling stuck when the guys feel like man i can't move i'm just stuck and and mm-hmm. it's kind of pulling the for me nate it's like you said um i learned the gospel through this situation yeah, i i was yeah. good at religion i i understood religion you know yeah but i could yeah. check the boxes but at the same time in my heart was so stubborn and i was just yeah. didn't want to move and it's almost like you know getting into someone's heart and talking to them enough to to, to wiggle some of that stuff out, you know? Yeah, it's like yeah. spiritual constipation or something, right? Yeah, 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 right. Um, I love what you said about Satan, Nate, you know, and this, this persona that we uh, we create for ourselves and, and almost feeling yeah. like you, you talked about being almost like feeling schizophrenic to a certain degree, like Sybil, yeah. right? And creating yeah, all sure. these different characters. <laughs> I yeah, totally yeah. relate to that. A lot of folks yeah. I talk to, a lot of sex addicts especially, seem to be kind of like social chameleons. I've heard that word quite a few yeah. times in, in group, you know being being able to be that but it takes a lot of energy doesn't it Nate? it takes a lot of yeah, energy that, to be Satan Nate didn't it oh sure sure and and uh, you have to remain ever vigilant I mean that whole persona really exists uh, for the sake of the audience it's there to be seen and so I've always got to be watching the audience and looking for reactions and any sign that somebody might be catching on so I can make the necessary adjustments uh, because to be discovered is to die, right? That's right. Uh, it, it's about performance. It's about appearance. Uh, you know, I've since learned that all sexual acting out is really dissociative. Uh, you have to go away to do it. And I became very yeah. adept at that, being able to toggle. Really, I, I, was, I was astonished at my own ability to uh, flip uh, between you know, one moment uh, being fully engaged in the work of the church, and you know moments later or moments before doing things that I despised, uh, and there was just this very deep disconnection. 
And what a joy it is now uh, being freed from the responsibility to justify myself, allowing allowing uh, myself to accept an experience of righteousness that's not my own, and right. finding the healing that comes in authentic relationship with other people. Now to be able to bring all of me to any conversation I, I I'm in, you know, the monk part and the pirate part, and just to be who I am and to find a place of integration. I was slowly disintegrating as an addict. Now I'm still in the process of integrating and becoming just, you know, that one broke a flawed but wonderful, uh, flawed person who's fearfully and wonderfully made and uh, loved without reservation by an ever-merciful, ever-patient father. That's right. It's a different paradigm than religion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I remember you said, here's a quote by Nate Larkin that I love from your book. Um, I learned a lot about God from people whose religious pedigrees uh, were questionable at best. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Um, you talked about opening up and, and seeing a guy that, that went to your church, and this guy just seemed kind of comfortable in his own skin. I remember you yeah. talking about that. You know that, yeah. that he would he would talk about his his sin in in present tense. <laughs> I love yeah. that too. Yeah. yeah, not one of these guys like oh well, you know I met Jesus now and before I met Jesus you know and I love the story of Rahab in the Bible too. Like Rahab wasn't an ex prostitute <laughs> when she helped the spies. You know, like she yeah, didn't right. go exactly. through rehab. You know, yeah. she yeah, was a right, prostitute right, right, right. man at right, the time. Right, right. Right, so, right, so right, yeah, right. talking about meeting a, a Christian who will talk about their sin in present tense, who's, who's like you said, comfortable in their own skin, that's, that's attractive, isn't it, Nate? It really is, yeah. It really is. And to me, uh, it's one of the reasons why I love Celebrate Recovery and the Samson Society and, uh, you know, the growing number of places within the church where it's safe to bring your real self and say the right. real truth. You know, uh, for so long... Uh, at least the churches I was a part of, that that wasn't the case. I mean, if you brought your real self, if you stopped speaking in code about your sin, you were going to get the left foot of fellowship, hard right. and uh, firm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and that and that was that was doubly true if you were in leadership. And yeah. I always gravit I always gravitated toward leadership because I could talk a good game. Um, yeah. How, what a great relief it was. It's humiliating. Well, I remember just being terrified going to my first uh, recovery meeting, my first 12-step meeting, you know, going into the basement of the church in the middle of the week while all the good church people were gone and uh, going down among the losers and meeting right. Jesus there. It was amazing to hear uh, a level of honesty that I'd never experienced upstairs in the church, and certainly I'd never you know, it, it took it took it took me years to learn how to tell the truth. I was <laughs> right. such a I was such a practice liar. You know, not right. you know lying very successfully to myself because you really you know you got to lie to yourself first, and then if you can convince yourself of something, then you convince the rest of the world. And and uh, yeah, to me, uh, but but to be down in those rooms where. Uh, I, 
the conversation was no longer governed by fear or right. shame. Or shoulds and ought tos. Right. The right. standard of righteousness hadn't changed, if anything. You know, the this, this sobriety definition that these guys challenged us, you know, that we're all challenged to live by, was in some ways even, you know, higher than the one upstairs. The one upstairs, you kind of had a little wiggle room. Nobody was going to push you too hard. These guys had a high standard, but at the same time, um, they didn't manipulate with guilt or shame, or there was no fear of expulsion. Um, what a what a strange and wonderful mixture. Right. Yeah. I remember you talking about that that uh, that you felt some anger rise up in you after you know realizing this, realizing the gospel. It, 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 you know, colliding with Nate Larkin's yeah. heart in this yeah. situation, yeah. and then feeling this anger rise up, and you go like, "Why is this in the basement?" You know, I remember yeah, you talking exactly. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what the? What? What do we become? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's always. I think it's the perennial drift that, um, you know, human beings. I think. You know, it's part of our fallen nature. We want to be able to justify ourselves. We prefer to be able to live uh, according to a code of conduct. You know, I said for years, when I first came into 12-step recovery, what I told myself and what I told other people was that I wanted to stop my destructive sexual behavior. But that wasn't the truth. What I wanted, what I truly wanted, was I wanted to be morally self-sufficient. I wanted to be able to look at myself in the mirror, look at myself in the eye, and know that I was able to do it right on my own without any help from anybody else. That's what I wanted. And that's what God is too kind and gracious to give me. Uh, You know, the the freedom that I enjoy today, you know, I've asked for a a lifetime supply of of, uh, sobriety, and God has refused shipment on that order. He only sends it a day at a time, and I can only keep what he sends me with the help of boundaries and brothers. This is a collaborative right. thing. He's called us to follow him together. And so, you know, I, 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 wanted, to be, I, I wanted to be a solo disciple. Yeah. And there's a part of me that still wants to be a solo disciple. <laughs> right. You know, I'm I'm willing to accept the fact that you know, Christianity is a team sport as long as I'm the coach. Right. Very right. true. Yeah. I was just talking with a guy last night about this at our community group. So we have like a community group, Bible study type thing, Monday nights, and, yeah. and me and a friend were talking about this. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna speak on something that, that uh, I, I feel led to talk about just because of your authenticity and who you are and what you were just yeah. talking about. Um, our church has gone through a scandal. Uh, uh-huh. Mars Hill Church in Seattle. There was a uh, New York Times bestseller, kind of a hack that the church did. Um, uh-huh. There was some there was some stuff about it. You know, using church funds to do it. They spent almost a quarter million dollars to do it, but it, it wasn't oh, church yeah. funds. Mm-hmm. It was just the books. They bought the books. They sold the books. But they hacked yeah. 
the uh, yeah. New York Times bestseller's integrity, right? New York Times bestseller is set up to be a certain – some guy at, at the Wall Street Journal finds out that, hey, there's a bunch of people whose books go up to number one or in the top five yeah. and then drop right off. So he's looking into the mathematical right. formula of this, and he finds this. So that's what we're right. kind of in the middle well, of. Sure. But at the same time, um, this has – our, our pa pastor Mark did a, wrote a book years ago called uh, Radical Reformation, which yeah. changed a lot of ways people see ministry. And it's uh -huh. funny how how a church after a while can sink back into this kind of religious, you know, uh, things are pushed to the back. The guys who are a bit edgy are fired. Um, right. So that's kind of what we're going through now. And there's a yeah. lot of folks who are just trying really struggling to listen to Mark and, and struggling to stay at the church and authentic relationships and, and some community groups are busting up and, and it's yeah. it's hard and it and it's sad, Nate. And and last night I'm talking with this guy and he was saying the exact same thing that you just said. It's like he says and this is not a guy who struggles with addiction. He's struggled with yeah. anxiety before and he's had a medication for anxiety and maybe that yeah. is the new addiction, is psychotropic drugs. But he was yeah. you know him and I were having this really good talk, and he says, he says, Russ, I'm not good at doing life without this, without sharing my heart and my real yeah. relationship with Christ and my real relationship with God and where faith meets real life, where I don't have to hide and say the right thing. He says, yeah. I, I'm, I, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not good at doing life without it. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's very yeah. real, isn't it? That's church, yeah. isn't yeah. it, Nate? Yeah, it is. It is. I And I... Uh... You know, there are times, you know, when I go to church and I, and I go to the, I go to the formal meeting upstairs and it's, uh, you know, for all practical purposes, uh, it's a lecture or it's a business meeting or right. it's, uh, it's a pep rally or something. And, uh, and I know that, you know, the church is a flawed thing and it's never going to be perfect and I am not stepped away from the visible institutional church. Right. Um, I'm grateful to be a part of it. But I'll tell you what, uh, I make sure I get my butt to another meeting as That's quickly right. as I can, where I can sit in a room with a closed door in a circle uh, where I have a chance to... Uh, you know, make the confession of my own heart, to speak honestly out of my own experience. That's where salvation comes for me. I've got to be able to live out loud. And, uh, you know, I, I've come to believe that healing only comes as we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. I think the admission to do so that, that's there in the Bible in James 5.16, I think the assumption of that verse is that every time we get together, everybody should have something to confess. Uh, I, I think the day I don't have anything to confess is the day I'm in deep trouble. That's the day I've become a Pharisee and am, uh, you know, in grave danger of crucifying again the Son of God. So right. even if this last week I've enjoyed, um, you know, victory in sexual areas, uh, holy smokes, that is, Jesus, Jesus made a real point of uh, showing his disciples that there's as much in a look as in an action, right? There's there's nobody, right? Everybody's a sinner. Um, 
And I'm more aware. Here's the crazy thing. I'm more aware of my brokenness, my sin, my need of a Savior. I'm more humble in that regard now than I was uh, entering recovery 16 years ago for sex addiction because I really thought back then that sex was my problem and it was my only yeah. problem. Right. Right? Yeah, the behavior. And, uh, I need to take care of this behavior. If right. you can just pull this weed up out of the ground. The right, funny thing right. is when you pull that weed up out of the ground, there's a big hole there <laughs> where the right, weed was, right? Right, right, right. 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 Or Jesus and, talking and, about these analogies like that, you know, those demons yeah. like kicked out one demon, seven more moved in. That's right, exactly. But if if I think that's just my sin and I manage to conquer that, now, and I don't see the rest of my brokenness, how arrogant can I be? How destructive right. and judgmental can I be? Uh, you know, I really have a, a, a capacity for that kind of spiritual arrogance. So, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm grateful to be a little more aware today of, you know, the spectrum of my need. And it doesn't, uh, but at the same time, the beautiful thing about it is that the greater my awareness of my sin becomes, uh, the bigger the cross becomes, the right. greater God's solution, uh, the greater my gratitude, the greater my joy. Uh, you know, he who has been forgiven much, loves much. And I find that the more I'm aware of my need for forgiveness every day, the greater my capacity to love other broken people. That's right. It's a, it, it, It's so true, and it's really getting to the point where you're – there's a, a pastor, a female pastor in, in Colorado, Pastor Nadia, talked about this. I was just listening to some stuff of sermon by her, and she was she was talking about when you can get face-to-face with the brokenness of other people, and you can actually get to the point where they'll be vulnerable enough to show the cracks, where I can be vulnerable enough to show my cracks, then as Christians we can see where Jesus seeps in to fill those cracks, you know? Yeah. It's the yeah, only exactly. way we're going to see it, man. Yeah. That's, we, yeah, we're not, yeah. you know, this undercover cop metaphor I, I, you were just talking about, the, the arrogance and how we can sit back. And yeah. It seems like it's easy to slip into this kind of undercover cop metaphor as Christian. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I'm a Christian, but I have to live in this sinful world. And, you know, I may even do the sinful stuff, but I'll sit back and, and judge it from a distance, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. No, man. And, and I love your, your um, Samson society. I mean, you really related with the story of, of Samson and yeah. David. And yeah, uh, yeah. I wanted you to speak on that a little bit. Samson was kind of like your, because you were kind of grew up as a church kid, Samson was like your Superman, your Batman, your Spider-Man, right? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, he was the superhero, you know, who could do, you know, he was the most gifted guy of his generation, and, and he could do anything, and he could do it alone, and he lived a very solitary life. He lived a life really without close friends. He didn't, you know, there's only one prayer of his. Uh, recorded in the Bible, even though his story takes up four entire chapters. and It doesn't give us the name of any friend he had. It's the only associate of his that's named beside his parents is is Delilah, the woman who betrayed him. Uh, he's a, he did some amazing things, but uh, but he died tragically, alone, behind enemy lines, and he died a failure. Right. Uh, Right, his mission was to deliver Israel from the Philistines, and he wasn't able to do it. You contrast that with David, 
who actually did accomplish the mission, did defeat the Philistines and create the free and independent state of Israel. Uh, like Samson, he had a moral collapse, though. I mean, it, oh, was, yeah. just catast- it was catastrophic. I mean, uh, uh, you know, here's a guy who who's a warrior. He's led a revival in worship. You know, he's a poet. He's a king. I mean, he's a man after God's own heart. And, you know, and within days of lighting the fuse, uh, you know, he he finds himself committing adultery and then covering that, that up with murder. So, but the interesting thing is, so you got two guys, both of which, uh, uh, you know, the wheels come off for both of them around the time they're 40. Yeah. Here's what I've noticed. There are guys now who are getting there earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's an awful lot of guys, if I'd say the middle of the bell curve for guys finally coming to the end of their own resources and having, um, you know, not able to deny it any longer and stumbling into a room looking for help. It's, it's, it typically happens right around that time. So here's right. Samson and David, both around 40, both have the collapse. One guy recovers, one guy doesn't. And I think the reason that David recovered and the reason Samson didn't was that David had learned to do the things that make recovery possible, and Samson had never learned to do those things. So what we say in the Samson society is, you know, the first thing you got to do is you got to admit that you're Samson. You've been trying to do it alone, and you're a failure. Right. And then you got to learn to live like David. And David was a guy who actually learned how to have friends. He learned how to live out loud. He learned how to stay home and build a home. And he knew how to do the little things and not concentrate on the big things. So anyway, that's 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 the basic uh, kind of credo of the Samson Society. And we just try to live, you know, right-sized lives as men among men create within the... You know, the Samson Society is intended to be a place right in the middle of the church where... In some ways, we're like 12-step recovery. Uh, some of the spirit of 12-step recovery is there. I'm grateful for 12-step recovery. God has used it in my life, ironically, um, to do things uh, for me that the church wasn't able to do. Uh, but uh, Samson Society is not 12-step. We don't segregate by sin, for example. So right. it's not it's not a group for sex addicts, although sex addicts can come. we got guys, you know, our belief is that everybody's got something in his life that's bigger than he is. And right. on on every given day, every man needs help, and every man has some help to give. So the Samson Society is just a place, you know, a simple weekly meeting. It's a place where you can meet other guys who uh, are interested in walking an authentic path together. And uh, so great meetings, but... The, 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 Samson's not about the meetings; it's about the friendships that are formed there. Right. Learning how to learning how to get out of our, you know, emerge from our caves, stop trying to do it alone, and uh, and have friends again. Right. As we all kind of toss aside our stupid little idols, you know, yeah, going yeah. back to that that authentic kind of community and that authentic. Uh, what church was first century? I'm reminded of this story in 
in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul goes into the city Ephesus and, and he makes such a, 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 you know, it's Holy Spirit, yes, but it's also this man, Paul, who makes such an impact on the culture that they mm-hmm. th- that causes an economic collapse of the idol makers, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> the right, right, right. And they start like a riot because they're like, yeah. this guy is, yeah. is destroying, yeah. you know. And then that's, you know, that was that kind of first century church, you know. And it, it, he yeah, talks yeah. about that in the book of Revelations. The book of Revelations touches on Ephesus. Go back and do what you did in the beginning, church, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, these letters yeah, yeah. to these churches that Jesus is yeah. like, you know, I'm going to put out your your lamp fire, right? Like being yeah, yeah. voted off the island on Survivor. Like that should wake some ministry people up, shouldn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm glad to see that the church is, you know, I've noticed it in the seven years since Samson and the Pirate Monks came out. Uh, the church is becoming ever more willing to uh, get involved with the real issues that are plaguing the culture. It's funny, seven right. years ago, it was hard for me. Churches didn't want me to come and talk about sex. Um, they didn't want to talk about porn. They didn't want to talk about sex addiction. They wanted to imagine uh, that it didn't exist within the church. Um, and I think the church is waking up to the reality that there, uh, there's a tidal wave sweeping through the culture from which the church is not exempt, right. uh, and, and and it's the young it's the young people who are especially vulnerable, and we've got to be doing something about it. That's right. Yeah. Amen to that. I was just talking to uh, Dustin Daniels, is another podcaster in Arizona, and I was just uh, I was chatting with him via email about I was asking him about why he he marks his show clean, you know, where mm-hmm. I'm explicit and and I guess that's just my it's <laughs> just my yeah. deal, my persona a little bit. I'm a little explicit, right? I'm a little edgy, even shocking to some degree. Not that I'm a, trying to be some shock jock, but there's some people no, that no. can be shocked by this message. And I was asking yeah. him about that, and I'm like, how can you, like, why do you mark your, your podcast clean? And he said, he said, and I thought that was brilliant. He said, Russ, I want to be able to talk about sex and it not being dirty anymore, even among yeah. kids. Right. Let's yeah, present yeah. it in a way, and that's kind of that's his show is presented in a way where we can talk about sex openly, and it's not weird, and it's not you know we can rough, you know get sand some of the edges of the embarrassment yeah, down yeah. enough yeah, to yeah. be able to be open about it in families, right, and, and with young people because it is Nate. You know we we had to go looking for our porn, didn't we? You know? oh, <laughs> Back man. in the seventies and eighties, even in the nineties, I had to you know get videotapes or DVDs and stuff like. That. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Now porn, like you said, porn comes looking for you, right? Yeah, you betcha, man. It's uh, you know we are we're under assault. I mean, it it, it comes every day, and uh, so we've got to we've got to see that it's in our own enlightened self-interest for right. our own spiritual and mental health, for the ability to form and sustain uh, real relationships where authentic intimacy can be experienced we've got to be able to um to put up some protective fences we got to you know we've, we've got to somehow protect uh the beauty of sex uh we've got to respect the bonding power of sex you know that 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 sexual act even when it's with a virtual partner 
uh, triggers the release of a bonding uh, hormone in the brain, a chemical in the brain, the same chemical that bonds an infant to a nursing mother. Right. Uh, that's what it's intended to do. And when, when we don't respect the power of sex to do that, now we, we find ourselves bonding with phantoms or bonding with strangers, bonding and tearing apart uh, until, you know, the heart is so calloused that we don't know how to connect any longer. That's right. Uh, it's it really lo- Yeah. I, uh, Long-term I wanted to ask you. Does create. Go ahead. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the 12 step aspect to yeah. your story. Um, I started doing some shows on, on going through the 12 steps. I'm still yeah. kind of touching on that a little bit. I've taken yeah. different directions, uh, but I'm fascinated. Once I started looking at the 12 steps um, from more of a positive perspective, I had a yeah. kind of a chip on my shoulder, Nate, you know, this isn't, yeah. this isn't right. It's just part of my story. Yeah. I had sort of a, a neg, not sort of, I had a, a negative um, yeah. outlook towards 12 step because I knew, I knew a couple of guys, one of them, you know, here in the Seattle area, we are a, a weird, you know, grab bag potpourri of religion. So yeah, right. you bring that into the 12 step community and there's just, Higher powers yeah. with different weird doctrines and theologies, yeah. and we're all, right, sure. you know, we're all going, and, and we're we're like magnets, aren't we, Nate? Spiritually, we're, we're trying yeah. to stick to something. And so, yeah. Yeah, um, right. I had a few friends. One of them, one of them committed suicide. Um, mm. You know, he ended his life. He, he he decided that you know the people that loved him. Yeah, we were kind of partiers and drinkers, and and he was more of an acquaintance. I didn't have a real too too close of a relationship with him, but it, yeah. I did see when he saw me as kind of the enemy. Like you're a person I need to stay away from, and that yeah. you know that still kind of bugs me that that he saw me that way. But it was yeah. true. I wasn't a healthy person at the time, and yeah. he probably yeah. sh- he probably should have. But at the same time, um, he just went into despair and, and aloneness and yeah, you know it, yeah. things got so bad that he didn't see a way out and that's he took that sadly took that you know selfish route of, of suicide yeah. another friend um went through uh, aa and stopped drinking but he kind of became this person who was just not him anymore. He was just not yeah. fun anymore. Like, like his light went out, Nate. You're like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to not drink anymore. And this thing I really used to love and like to do, I'm not doing it anymore. So, you know, this is me now. And and it was just, yeah, yeah. I, I just wasn't. I was sad about it. You know, I just, yeah. just yeah. Yeah. the same guy. So these are part of the. This is part of my my negative aspect towards towards sure. twelve step. But once I looked into it and the positive aspects of it and how, you know. Uh, it's not like God isn't the twelve steps are you can't force people to love Jesus first of all that's something that was right. in your story and in your book and I love that <laughs> right. like once you you can't put a you know people have to come to faith on their own um, yeah. so talk about some of that because that's very true like the twelve yeah. steps don't tell you to do anything do they 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 basically say um, I did this you know it's like you got yeah. past. Yeah, this thing, and you're moving forward. You're moving into another thing, right? Yeah. Explain yeah, yeah. some of that to the listeners, or myself yeah, the, included. Yeah, and you know, like you, I I had a, a skepticism, really, an antagonism toward the twelve steps for different reasons. I was, I heard my dad preach against twelve step recovery every 
every year of my growing up, uh, he was wow. insulted by the idea that any Christian could call himself an alcoholic or an addict. Uh, right. You're either one or the other, right? Um, and I understand there's a semantic difference there. I still insist on calling myself an addict. I'm a Christian addict. I think that glorifies God. Uh, I'm a uh, I'm a fool for Christ. Right. Uh, but at any rate, um, but I stayed away from 12-step recovery. I I considered those people losers with, uh, and I didn't trust their religion at all. Right. And that really it, it took me. Even after I entered recovery, it took me three and a half years to really experience sexual sobriety. And that was largely because of my own spiritual and religious arrogance. I right. really carried I carried a ship on my shoulder. I really felt that I mean I knew that my higher power could beat up their higher power. <laughs> okay. Uh right. Um I I had the vocabulary. Uh, I had a master's degree in God for Pete's sake. I'd been a professional minister. Um, right. I thought I had I thought I had the spiritual stuff, and I did have the doctrinal stuff straight. And you know, my doctrine has not changed as a result of my twelve step step experience. But I want to tell you what I had not ever gotten in the church was I hadn't gotten I gotten a lot of teaching, and a lot of preaching. Right. I hadn't gotten much coaching. Right. Uh, somebody who would just walk beside me as a peer and say, this is what I did, try it, it might work for you. Oh. Uh, but somebody who was a peer and not an authority, uh, and somebody who maintained an unshakable belief in uh, the unfathomable, unsearchable, endless mercy of a loving father. Uh, but I didn't have to. I didn't have to do this to make God happy. That, that God actually is positively disposed toward me. And and they, you know, so, you know, these twelve step guys. What they told me was, you need a miracle. You can't do this. Right. Step one. Step one is to admit you can't do it. You know, the way to win the war is first of all surrender. You've been surrendering to lust. For all these years, you're going to have to find, you're going to have to surrender to God. And, and you know, I've been performing for God, not surrendering to him. So, yeah, but I, it, you know, it's stuck in my throat that they, they looked at me funny when I said the name of Jesus. I had trouble with, I had a lot of trouble with the fact that they kept referring to sex addiction as a disease. Yeah. And I, okay. And I, and I, and to me, that was a cop out. Uh, that you know, this was sin, an offense to a holy God from which I needed to repent. Now oh. I had been repenting for more than forty years and had not ever been able to repent successfully for very long. Uh, but I was so stuck on, and a lot of it was this kind of Pharisaical, legalistic self hatred. I just denounced myself at every turn. I really thought that if I could hate my sin or hate myself enough, I could stop, and I could just never hit bottom. I tried. You to could feed Saint my... Nate, right? Like try to yeah. give Saint yeah. Nate more vitamins and whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, try... yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tried. Yeah, I tried to shame my way out of the behavior, uh, but the shame spiral only goes down. Right. So, uh, so God used these wonderful people to uh, show me. For example, they point out in Romans seven. 
where Paul there in, in Romans 7, verse 22 says, So then, if I continue to do the thing I hate, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And then here's a phrase he uses twice in three verses. He says, it's in my members. It's in my body. Right. Yeah. We now know that it's true that sin actually does affect us biologically. It right. affects the brain. And so I've come through my 12-step experience to, to define addiction as a sickness caused by sin. And yes, yeah. I, okay, and yes, I need to repent. But more, but beyond that, you know, I was obsessed with my guilt all those years, uh, but unaware that I needed healing. Now, you know, I understand that, uh, yes, turning, to, you know, so I spent years begging for a forgiveness that was already mine because I didn't believe the gospel. Right. And I spent years running from the hospital because I didn't want to be sick. Right. Uh, you see what I'm saying? But to yeah. actually put my to admit that I'm sick and to put myself under the care of some loving people and trust that, uh, you know, and they said, you know, if you need a miracle and only God supplies the miracle. You have a part to play. If you'll do the footwork, he'll do the legwork. Yeah. And I, you're not going to do it alone. God's going to deliver you, but he's going to use people. And uh, like it or not, it's probably going to be us, you know. <laughs> um, I like what you said. Uh, I like what you said. You were encouraged to like journal and talk about your feelings and and uh, and how you're how you 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 and I kind of have this where we we tend to think too much, right? We want to yeah, yeah, put yeah, things yeah, yeah. in little boxes or psychological or theological boxes. And you had a guy yeah. say, I wrote this down. You had a guy say, you can't think your way out of this. You're doing irrational things for irrational reasons. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, our rationality is part of the problem, isn't it? Like our trying yeah. to do this on our own. I'm, I'm reminded of the picture of Jesus and Peter, where Peter's, you know, he kind of has that resolve, doesn't he? He thinks he's going to be varsity yeah. for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, Jesus yeah, right, is like, yeah. dude, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me three times, dude. Like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, just yeah, having that. Yeah. Uh, Peter gives me hope, uh, you know. He's yeah, just, yeah. Like like that, and right? You know, and you know what I love about Peter. We know about his failures because he uh, talked about them. That's the only yeah. way we could know. Nobody was around when he denied Christ to the little servant girl. He never had to tell that story. But he told that story. That was yeah. part of his salvation story. And, uh, it was part of my coming back to faith too, Nate. That story about Peter and and I'm and I was I was so far away from my faith that I grew up with, sort of, right? Yeah. And yeah. and really just sitting in pastor's office, going, "This book is full of lies and fairy tales," and and I don't know why you guys believe it. I wish I could believe it. Like I had that yeah. kind of worldview. Yeah. I hear that right, a lot sure, today. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it's basically saying that you're insane when people do that, isn't it? You know, it's like yeah, it's a, yeah, I yeah. want to believe that. I like Jesus. This is really cool. It's neat that you can believe it, but I just can't believe it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you're you're crazy. <laughs> That's why you believe it. I just can't be crazy like you are. So yeah, I had that, that, right? But then I read it for myself, and I read that story, and Peter's story so hit me. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I'm going to make up a religion, right, if this yeah. is fiction, why yeah. would I make the guy who's – I'm going to build the church on you and have him be so – Messed up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I feel you, man. That's very true. And you know what? I'm. I think that there is a silver lining to this whole 
you know, cultural phenomenon, the, the rise in sexual addiction. What we're getting is more and more desperate people. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, when you get to the point where you're desperate enough to put down all your pretensions, uh, all your intellectual second guessing, when you're finally willing to try anything, to ask for help, um, yeah. finally, you know, give up, it feels like dying. Yeah. That's that's the point at which this new life can begin. You know, and it's uh, on the one hand, it's tragic that so many people are being trapped in sex addiction. However, if that experience is what it takes to wake men and women up to their need for a savior and their need for each other and a need for the gospel, then even this can turn out to be a very good thing. If it winds right. up filling the church with more honest, authentic people, I'd rather yeah. have that than churches teeming with self-deluded Pharisees. That's right. That's that's the gospel right there, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's truth. That's authentic community. Um, and whether you call it, you know, addiction or sin, it's funny that, you know, I, you and I may disagree about, you know, the, the word addiction, but really it's, mm -hmm. it's the way we define certain words. And some of this yeah. may be cultural, cultural as well, where sure. you're, you're from a, a highly churched area. Um, here in yeah. Seattle, there, there was a study done not too long ago that said there's more dogs in Seattle than there are Christians. Right, like this is some of this some of this census material that's come out, right? Like, like there's more Christians per capita. There's more Christians in China where it's illegal to be a Christian than there yeah, is Christians right, yeah. in Seattle, right? Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. when when I'm, it's funny how when I'm presenting the gospel and, and talking about addiction, it, you get artsy people and feeling people, and and it's right. something about this this area. Maybe it's because it rains all the time or something. I don't know. Yeah. But you can't you can't swing a dead cat in a room of, of, of you know, late 30, early 40-somethings without hitting somebody yeah. who's been through some kind of 12-step recovery, right? So yeah, it's almost right, yeah. like it's almost like that, that churchy kind of thing going yeah, on right, here yeah, in Seattle. Right, right. It, and it can become very, you know, it can become very surface and it can become very routine and it can be just Absolutely. like going into church and sitting down on Sunday for a lot of folks. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. I, will, I will use... I will use, and maybe it's a shock value, whatever you want to call it, but I'll use the, the, the ex-addict. I'm an ex-addict in this area. Yeah, Just yeah, yeah. to kind of shake people up, to get them to think about what, what that word means. Because you're yeah, right, it, yeah. is, it is a sin thing. So I'll, I'll try and get them to think about what, what sin is. Like, like, I don't think it's a disease. I think your heart is diseased and your addiction, your sex addiction or, or your heroin addiction even, is yeah. a symptom of that disease. It's like yeah. the, it's I like can, the sneeze, yeah. you know, and we can okay. put we can take cold medicine on the surface, but really we got to treat that that sin yeah. disease. That's what you're that's what you're talking about, and from from different right. cultures, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah. we're all kind of talking about the same thing, maybe using different words, but sure, yeah, 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 I can go with that completely. I can go with that completely. It's kind of a the, it's impacting the heart, isn't it? And bringing people yeah. to just scripture and to see that it's not just religion, you know. Yeah. Oh, well, that's your religion, and I got my thing over here. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about how that plays out. It's amazing. We're just instinctive creed writers, aren't we? And we want to, 
we want to make sure that we get the phrases right, and then everybody's got to pair up the right phrases so that we can sit at the same table. That's crazy. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I relate to to what you're what you're saying, man. Talk to yeah. me. Read that that creed. You you probably have that memorized, right? Where you start each meeting. I I love that. The things that you talk right before you do the meeting. It's a, it's oh the creed, yeah yeah it? yeah yeah. Well, we open with what we call the fact, which is a a seven statement, uh, a seven part statement of faith. So uh, I'm working entirely without notes here, but it opens with uh, God exists. Right. Uh, that's the first one. In the timeless mystery of the Trinity, he's perfectly harmonious, perfectly whole. And number two is God is our creator. He designed us to live in perfect harmony with him and each other and to care for the rest of his creation. Number three is uh, spurning God's fellowship. We all have sinned. Right, right. And uh, and, and as a result of that, and number four, uh, you know, life has become chaotic. We've experienced darkness and chaos in our lives for which we've often blamed others. But then we turn the corner. When I accept responsibility for my sin and find forgiveness in the the finished work of Christ, I experience reconciliation with God and am progressively restored to harmony with myself and others. And the last one is, despite the lingering effects of sin, I am a restored son of the sovereign Lord whose spirit is at work in my weakness. I like what you said so, about uh, we're we're instinctive loners, right? Oh, we're oh, we're, yeah, we're yeah, instinctive yeah. Oh, judges. Oh, you're talking about the meeting format. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're all yeah, we're a company of Christian men. We're also natural loners who have recognized right. the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them. Natural wanderers who are finding spiritual peace, peace and prosperity at home. Yeah, yeah. Natural liars who are now finding freedom in the truth. The natural right. strong men who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weaknesses. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And it's amazing how deep, how deep those impulses are. You know, despite all the benefits of friendship that I've enjoyed in the last 16 years, how rich my life has become with relationships with other men, there's still a part of me that's a little bit pissed off that I have to have friends. Um, <laughs> that's right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. There's this part of me that instinctively wants to isolate. And uh, and I still sometimes have to catch myself after making a statement uh, because I realize that what I've just said isn't isn't true. I've read uh, I've read the room and delivered what seems to be the acceptable line instead of the true line. I have to back up and uh, retract my statement because the truth does not come naturally to me all the time. Right. Uh, yeah. So, and especially when we emotionally respond, like I've had those moments too, where yeah, you know what, I yeah. emotionally reacted on you, and and I, yeah, I want to yeah, apologize yeah. for that. And sometimes yeah. we, you know, not. I like I love what uh, David said about you know, hold having guards stand by his mouth, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> as yeah. as yeah. he's speaking, and in in the in the in James talking about the the bit in the in the mouth and the horse's mouth, you know. Like, yeah, like our yeah. words are, are, are important, and, and sometimes our emotions yeah. can run away with us. And yeah, you're yeah. you're absolutely right. But it's like you know, you said in your book is is letting a person kind of vent, letting them 
letting them bleed, you know, and, yeah. and offering fellowship and understanding. I went to one of your meetings. I brought a guy, uh, and uh, we we sat through a, a – it was cool. that Hey, they're in Seattle. Like, Samson Society oh, meetings great. are all over the United States, and I'm like, there's even one in Seattle. Like, that's amazing to me. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, so we we sat and I was I was in a meeting and and it was hard for me Nate to to listen to folks right because you can't yeah you're right right it's, not, it's yeah. just not what I'm used to but yeah and I didn't know these guys so I didn't you know have the, the right yeah. to jump in anyway but that's not the way the meeting is set and these guys can just yeah, yeah. talk and they can just bleed and they can just yeah. you know let whatever's in there flow out you know it's like yeah. like yeah like a pussy infected wound and letting some of that yeah. sob come out you know yeah. Yeah, and then you got to you got to be able to to trust people. You know, you you talked about yeah. not trusting pastors because you are one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And not trusting yeah. counselors, and but but being able to to talk in, in a safe place and being vulnerable, because when yeah. we're vulnerable, so uh, you know we we run the risk of somebody pick up a rock and hitting us in that spot, don't we? Now? Right, right, right. Yeah, and that's specifically why in the Samson meeting in that structured meeting. Nobody's going to challenge you because all we want to do is encourage honesty. We're going to listen. We're going to listen respectfully, and you can say it. The only time, you know, you might get pushed later in a private conversation with a friend. Yeah. But but not in that meeting. Right. I like how you put that. You're in a private conversation with a friend rather than a yeah. You know. Yeah. That a counselor, you know, kind of a somebody running after you and jumping all over you or something like that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Nate, uh, uh, thank you for for your book. Thank you for for who you are. Thank you for being on the podcast. Um, I, I'm well, encouraged by you, and and uh, uh, just thank you for, well, thanks, for doing this. Rush, it's been such a privilege talking to you. I'm so proud of you and the podcast and the uh, the the uh, the way you've been just putting the message out there courageously for so long and doing it so well. And, uh, you know, you're, you're a valued resource here in Franklin, Tennessee. I heard about you from our guys here. I don't yeah. listen. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but when podcast subject to podcast comes up, that's, uh, that's when I started hearing Rush Shaw. So thank you for what you're doing, man. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. We have a, a mutual friend, a listener to the podcast. He was actually a, a guest on the show too. And, and and he's another reason I respect you so much because of his story and 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 his entering into authentic community was you were a catalyst for that you were a conduit for that uh, and it's like you know I I so appreciate that because it's um it, it needs to be more of that in in the yeah. church today and uh, you know I just pray that more more folks can come to an understanding that. Uh, we're all sinners, and we sin in different degrees, and we all need Jesus. And that's just more, you know, it, it, it's just more confidence towards the fact that we can't do this all on our own, and that we right. do need a Savior. And, yeah. and you know, without Jesus, there's no grace. It's all just yeah. religions and shoulds and ought tos. And yeah. So, any final right, thoughts, man. Nate? Any final, any final uh, thoughts or? You know, as we've talked, I've been walking through the town of Franklin, where I live here in Franklin, Tennessee, and I'm just so grateful that as I walk down, I've seen, I've exchanged looks with quite a few people who I know, who pe- and they know me. They don't know some public image of me. And right. some of them, because they know me, have told me things that they never told anybody else. 
uh, and all of that is the gift of recovery, which only comes after brokenness, surrender. Uh, so my encouragement to anybody who's listening, if you're still hanging on to the hope that you're going to be able to figure out this, figure this thing out on your own, and fix it by yourself, and that until that day you're going to have to keep it secret, uh, I'd like to encourage you to give that struggle up. That's a no-win. You're not going to win that game of one-on-one. Your adversary is a practiced player of that game. There's only one person who's ever beaten him one-on-one. Jesus did that after his baptism. Uh, but Christianity is a team sport, and you need to become just another bozo on the bus. So I encourage you, if you're in a lonely fight, look around and find another broken Christian, somebody who you can trust who will respect the confidence. And... Uh, and if that means dropping a line to Russ or to me, go ahead and do that. But it'd be much better if you can find a flesh and blood person right next to you. And let somebody else into the fight, because that's when the tide turns, when you're no longer in it alone. That's right. Amen to that. Very true. So your website is? Uh, yeah, we're in the process. I, you know, I put it into the capable hands of a 16-year-old boy, so it'll function again. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, Nate at com is my email address. NateLarkin.com is the uh, my personal website. You can also find the Samson Society at SamsonSociety.net. And uh, you'll find about 7,000 other guys on there. That's a men-only website. And about 400 meetings that you can plug into. Nice. Very good. Well, thanks again, Nate, for being on the podcast. Um, my pleasure, Russ. Uh, and, uh, all the contact information. Northwest, man. Yeah, if you come out to Seattle, dude, give me a give me a ring. Hey, we yeah, do okay. a thing real quick. We do a we do an outreach kind of a men's thing. It's called a herf, like we do a cigar herf every oh, nice. uh, once a month or something like that. That'd be that'd yeah. be cool if you could come to that. I heard you spoke at like a like a cigar where they grow tobacco and oh, stuff like that. Man. A big party yeah, or something like yeah. that. I did a great thing, a cigar night with guys in a pig roast down in Miami. Yeah, oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. There's a family that makes cigars, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I, told, I told the boys about that. They thought that yeah. was awesome. So, <laughs> But anyway, man, yeah, you look me up, and, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Okay. And listeners, thanks for listening. Again, all this uh, information will be on the website, ASI247.org, if you'd like to contact uh, Nate or, or you know the links to, to his podcast and website are right there on the website as we speak so uh, again Nate thanks for being on the show and until next time bye There goes Nate Larkin. I love that man. He's, uh, he's one of the good guys. I'll tell you what, one of the good guys that are uh, bad guys. <laughs> There's a tagline in a show I used to watch. I forget the name of the show. But one of the things they would say is, sometimes the only good guys you get are bad guys. <laughs> so a little, little pirate music there to go along with, uh, with the end of the interview with, with Nate Larkin. I reacted to some of the controversy that's going on in the church that I go to now, that I have been going to for the last oh, six, seven years. Uh, 
Um, and uh, I want you to know that I've chosen to stick around for a while. Um, the church is full of broken people. All right, the church is not perfect. The church is a mess. Um, the Bible refers to the church as Jesus's bride, right? And she is, and she's kind of a mess. So, um, Bulls Weber again as a, a pastor, I it's kind of got my ear recently, and and she talks about she'll do member meetings with with her people, right? People that come to her church, and she will say, um, we're going to hurt you, right? Like, I'm glad you're part of this thing. I'm glad you're, you're in community. I'm glad that you feel loved and accepted here. But realize this, we're broken human beings and we're going to hurt you. It's not if, it's when. Um, and, and I pray that you stick around and I pray that you um, talk about it. I pray that we can all work out you know, our differences and conflict resolution, because when our brokenness is filled with God's light and God's glory, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to see God fill in the cracks of our brokenness. It really is. So uh, my choice to stick around, and, and this has caused some, it's going to cause more uh, conversations with my wife, difficult conversations with my wife, um, on on where we choose to call community, and uh, not that she's against um, Mars Hill or anything like that, but uh, I'm not planning to stay at a place where a dictator-like leadership um, is not willing to talk about their own brokenness. So does that make sense? Like I'm not staying at Mars Hill if it becomes some kind of thing that's not Christian, if that makes any sense at all. Christians aren't afraid to talk about their brokenness. They're not afraid to, uh, you know, go a step beyond the surface apology, right? Like a guy caught in an adultery can say, I'm really sorry, have tears over that. Um, but not really want to reconcile in the deeper parts and the roots of what happened. And, and that's what a lot of folks are, are wanting to see. And I'm talking about this publicly because it's where I'm at. And I'll be honest with you, it has shaken me to some degree. I went from AC3 to Mars Hill and, and AC3's in Marysville. They're a town over and they're about 14 miles from my house. And Mars Hill is now has this campus that's in my city, in my town, I see my neighbors and friends there, and um, yeah, it's it's been it's been it's rattled me some. All right, it's rattled my my faith. It's rattled what I believe as far as you know sociolo sociologically as the church is, and uh, I don't want to ramble on too much here. But I just wanted to let you all know as listeners, letting you in behind the counter in my life a little bit to, to let you know what, what I've been going through as a member and as a public person uh, at Mars Hill Church in Seattle. Uh, thank you for listening and, and keep, keep me in your prayers. Keep our church in your prayers if that's what, you're, if that's what you do. Um, and, and again, encouraging you to, to do the very courageous act 
of flaying your heart open in front of other people, of being vulnerable in front of other people. And if you do believe in Jesus and you do believe that God heals and you do believe that he changes lives, seeing that happen in community is, is life-giving and it's beautiful. Um, it's not perfect. It's messy. And as a judge sitting on the sidelines, man, sometimes I, I get angry. Man, those crazy Christians drive me a little nuts. And I are one, you know. Like Nate Larkin said, just get on the bus, man. Just be another bozo on the bus because that's what you're going to be. Um, I want to leave you with a song. It's a cover because I can't play the original due to copyright stuff. But uh, this is from a church, uh, a church band and I'll have a link on the website, asi247.org. Click on the music tab if you want to download or see any of the music that I play on the show. It's right there. Um, it's called Those Crazy Christians. It's a cover of a Brad Paisley song that I love. And until next time, man, thanks for listening. It's been a long show, but I'm glad you're still with me if you are. I love you guys more than you know. I mean that sincerely. That's for reals, for reals. All right? Till next time. Bye. Those crazy Christians that was going to sleep in the day. But the church bells woke me up and they're a half a mile away. Those crazy Christians Rest them driving down my street Get their weekly dose of guilt Before they head to Applebee's well, They pray before they eat And they pray before they snore They pray before a football game And every time they score Every untimely passing Every dear departed soul just another good excuse to bake a casserole those crazy Christians go and jump on some airplane fly to Africa or Haiti or risk their lives in Jesus name no they ain't the late night party kind well they curse the devil's whiskey while they drink the Savior's wine famous TV preacher has a big affair and then one tearful confession and he's born again again someone yells hallelujah and they shout and clap and sing it's like they can't wait to forgive someone for just about anything those crazy Christians On this sunny afternoon They're at the bedside of a stranger In a cold hospital room And every now and then They meet a poor lost soul like me Who's not just quite sure who he is Or how he ought to be 
They march him down the aisle And then the next thing that you know They dunk him in the water And here comes another one of those Crazy Christians to heaven their whole life nothing what if they're wrong but what if they're right you know it's funny much as I'm baffled by it all if I ever really needed him well you know who I'd call is those crazy Christians 